2: Drivers, start your engines!
0: Get the pace car! What's for? Because you need any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect.
2: When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Show program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing. Joining me in the studio, I've got Louise Torres, Richard Union and Joey, Joey Barnes. How are you guys doing?
1: You're good, thank you. It's
2: going all right. Quite stellar. Let's see how this thing goes. Okay, let's see how this thing goes. And uh, Joey, welcome, uh, Joey, our occasional uh, occasional guest. That uh, we love to have you here. And Joey, you're a big IndyCar guy, so uh, let's start off with the IndyCar race um, down at uh, Barber, uh, one of uh, one of my favorite tracks. Although you know some some fans are uh, you know up in the air about uh, whether the racing is boring or not. I thought it was pretty darn good myself. Uh, we saw a pot of award uh with the win after renas vk had quite a good day uh quite a good day in qualifying took the pole led the early portion of the race but uh it was the in laps and out laps on a pit stop sequence that really killed him he was leapfrogged by both palu and um award uh he still uh, wound up with a podium on the day but um you know with his win award gets himself in the um in the mix there palu goes to the championship lead um as being the most consistent and new garden drops out of the lead all the way down to i believe third in the championship now uh just based on just a really kind of nondescript weekend out of um out of new garden which uh, which was surprising because he was one of the favorites going in here having won his first race here and and uh, having uh, uh won here at least on one other occasion so uh Uh, I mean, all in all, I enjoyed the race, but Joey, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and break down this race here from, um, Barbara motorsports park in Alabama.
3: Yeah. There's a lot to unpack with this race. Um, I I guess first on, I kind of touched on a few things, uh, just to kind of get this thing rolling here is, you know, you you look at the track itself. I mean, the, the racing ribbon for it's about 45 feet wide, uh, 2.3 miles track what 17 corners. Uh, not, there's a lot of options for passing, uh, if you can create them, but obviously you've got to be pretty brave to want to go side by side. But I thought for this race in particular, it was more racy than I've seen it in quite a while. Um, there was kind of a, it was the same 2021 tire compound, just a slightly different construction that was brought to this track. Um, something they wanted to, that wasn't going to quite fall off as much, and I thought it was pretty good. I mean, obviously the, the top five uh, for quite a while was a little bit of a boring show, uh, but you know, props to NBC for helping cover some of the strategies that were going on uh, within the race, made it fun, did a whole lot of camera movement to some of the stuff that was happening in the middle of the field, uh, which was, it got pretty spicy, but uh, you know, you look at, you look at this race and you talk about Joseph Newgarden, who couldn't have had a more miserable Friday Um, and obviously struggled a little bit on Saturday, but on Sunday, it looked like between him and Colton Herta and Marcus Erickson, they were, they ended up pitting a little bit early, uh, on the 90 lap race. They ended up, you know, supposed to be a, you could make it on two stops. Some guys were trying to push the envelope with the, with the reds and see if they can get three in and make up the lap time difference. And, you know, you look at it and it's like Colton Herta, Joseph Newgarden, and Marcus Erickson were on the three stopper. It was going well. And then on lap 32, while Colton and Joseph Newgarden were battling it out for what was ultimately the lead at the time uh, on that strategy, Eilat uh, I goes off off course and, and his great weekend was kind of ruined, but it also kind of ruined the race of Newgarden, Herda, and Erickson. So I would have been very interested to see what would have happened if that would have played out without the incident, because I think that we could have seen an interesting merge with some of the strategies in play. I, I think you would have seen Herda, Newgarden, award VK pillow, uh, out on track, just kind of battling it out for the, for the top four, uh, honestly, because I, I feel like it would have been really cool to see who could be conservative there and who wasn't. Um,
2: yeah, but- no, yeah, no doubt that that, uh, that caution right then really negated the three-stop strategy for those guys, which, yeah. uh, you know, which on a, on a good day, you know, some people wonder why you would ever try a three-stop tra- strategy, Because conventional wisdom tells you that, uh, you know, you know, one less stop in the pits is going to equal less time, you know, or, uh, you know, more time on the track. But, you know, when you really kind of break it down, this was a question that was asked on social media. Someone was asking, you know, why, why do people do a three, you know, three stop race? Well, I I mean, simply put, so you're never, you're never trying to stretch the fuel and you've got uh, less laps on the tires, particularly, you you know, if, if you need to really shorten up that stint on the reds, if you're in a particular case where the reds uh just just don't last like on some of the tracks. So but uh yeah, it was it was kind of a shame that we had that whole that whole group doing the three stop just um, you know, put out of the mix and shovel to the back where they stayed the rest of the day.
3: Yeah. And you know, you look at this and it's I, I actually didn't mind the three stopper. Somebody had to go for it. I think more than anything, it gives you clean track. You know, if you're third second third fourth fifth you're really kind of at the discretion of the leader's pace because clean air is so dominant that it's so and it's such a struggle to pass just by itself with the way that this car's aerodynamics are let alone push to pass that becomes push to defend and, and everything every other variable so you know you looking at I think Colton and Newgarden were somewhere between what seventh and twelfth whenever they came to pit road um and during that during that stint and, you know, you get a bunch of clean racetrack, you can start clicking off some good lap times. I mean, and, and you saw later in the race, uh, whenever everything started to clear out, you know, you got Pato and, and Renis that came to pit road um, and, you know, lap 61, I believe it was. I don't have the chart in front of me, but they come to pit road and yeah, they're fighting for their outlap. And that's where award got VK ultimately in turn five on the outlap. But you look at Alex below, like he was running fifth. Uh, right as pit stop sequences started you know Rossi goes to pit road whoever was fourth at the time I think it was McLaughlin goes to pit road and then you look at at VK and award and on the in lap and out lap and the service on ro- on the pit road you know palu made up 1.599 seconds of difference in combined time on those guys which is how he came out second which is another testament to clean racetrack, right? Everybody's going to fall off in front of you. And he somehow managed. And I don't know if he was on push to pass on his end lap or not. That's one stat I was curious about, but he was able to extend that middle stint 33 laps on fuel. And yeah, I don't want to go off on another weird deep tangent that I have a tendency to do on here, but like you start looking at where everybody's talking about Pato and everybody's talking about Colton and formula one and, and that. And I've been on this tirade for a minute is the fact that how come nobody's looking at Alex below? I understand he's 25 and those other guys are 22 and Pato turns 23 on Friday. And it's like, Oh, but there's, there's two, eight, two, two years up, but go look at Pillow; He's got fewer starts, more podiums, more championships. And you could argue at least in the case of of Colton Herda that he's in comparable equipment and I just don't know how nobody's sitting here talking about Alex Palou as being
1: maybe that complete person that makes the jump well, from Indy. <clears> to <throat> one. Can I? And I think we we talked about this a little bit on this show before. But and and I I totally agree. But to counter what you're saying, I think you look at Palou and the um, typical ladder through to Formula One. He went through that ladder. And not to be just dis- failed, didn't do any good. You know, look at GP three, had two seasons in GP three, didn't come in the top ten. Had a couple of races in Formula Two, didn't really do much there. Then he was then he sort of went back to the uh, Formula three European Championship, didn't even win a race in that in 2018 when he was, you know, probably one of the most experienced drivers in the field. You know, outside of IndyCar and Super Formula. He hasn't really done much to make the F1 bosses, you know, stand up and take note. You know, going through the typical series and the typical ladder, he just didn't impress. There's a lot of guys that, that you know, certainly fared better than he did.
3: So by that estimation, though, and I understand Cole Hurta is, is younger, right? He's 22. He is he bad fast. Uh, When you look at what he was able to do, he was p- putting on passes, getting pinched by his teammate Grosjean in one, going off track, catching him a couple laps later, passing him, goes up like literally the, the action was around Colton the entire time. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, he's so fast. He feels like where Max Verstappen was when Max broke into this fast but couldn't quite capitalize on some of those, got overambitious, was out driving the equipment and not letting the race come to him. And maybe this is the maturity difference of, you know, where those two or three years are between Palo and Herda. Palo goes out, and I don't care what anybody says. Colton, yes, damn good, damn fast. But go look at who had the fastest lap time on Sunday. It was Alex Palo. It happened on the end lap. And – it just it, you know you you go and you look at those things and you're like okay so by and if you go and measure this with Colton it's like okay well but by the time that Max Verstappen was what 22 23 he just he just turned 23 and won the championship if I'm if I'm wrong yeah. my age correct me but yeah and it's like all these things that Colton is struggling with are things that Max Verstappen struggled with two three four years ago and you start to look at this and you're kind of like okay and if if By your definition, Richard, you're looking at this and saying, well, Alec Polo didn't do anything, but then he's coming and kicking ass in the IndyCar series. What does that say about how the talent should be regarded in the series when you look at it from that perspective, as opposed to some of these other, you know, people in the industry that are trying to to look at Colton and Pato and say, those are the guys that are going to lead this charge. If IndyCar is going to have a presence in F1, it's going to be those guys
1: and to a certain extent, I, I do agree with you but you know when Pillow was in the feeder series in you know 2018 16 17 18 that sort of era um, you know there's you know if you migrate from Gp3 to GP2 or Formula 2 or whatever you know whatever you want to call it if you come tenth and 15th two years in a row in gP3 very very few of the Gp2 bosses are going to look at you and they didn't you know, he got like three or four races at the end of one season. Um, and, you know, from the Formula One paddock, you've got maybe one, two, three rookies a year at most coming through. When he was in those graduate classes, there were certainly a lot of drivers of a better standard. that had dem- You know, you can only demonstrate what you can demonstrate in those feeder sits. You know, you can only beat who you're driving against. And he, if he didn't beat them, then it's very difficult to pick him over some of the others. And I don't... And here's, I, I've been very critical of Colton Herder on this show in the past. And oh. I, I think what we saw last weekend... Just,
2: just in the past?
1: Well, <laughs> past, present, and probably future. There you go, um, there you
2: go. Okay. Unless, unless in the interest of accuracy, yeah. Yes. Or in general, just altogether. In general, yes.
1: But, but I think what we saw last weekend reiterated that you know he got unlucky in qualifying he started down in the background and that was the opportunity for Colton Herter to really put a marker down to say I'm here you know but he made a stupid move again well and cost I, I, points and cost results and cost his position you know his race position finish and
3: I'm <sighs> he didn't make a brilliant pass on Grosjean despite Grosjean pulling an f1s defense on him
1: but but that's but but that, but that's part of it again, isn't it? That's part of the smarts of a driver that's aware of what's around him.
3: I mean, granted, Grosjean kind of raced like a jackass on.
1: Well, yeah, but, but
2: yeah, you, but- we
1: we get that in
2: a bit. But I you know I do want I do want to kind of circle back to Pello, and uh, and for sure, be, because Joey, I, I definitely smell what you're stepping in, because if, if you look <laughs> at Pello and what he does, right. And he just, he just, he's very quietly one of the most complete drivers in the series, right? I I mean, the thing, and there's no fanfare about it, right? People should be, uh, you know, Dario 2.0 right now. uh, Yeah, exactly. Or, 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 you know, very Dixon esque in in a bit of a way, but he just, he comes in quiet.
3: Well, (laughs) I say Dario because of a couple of reasons. One, yeah, uh, I mean, Dario mentored him, but two, who is the one driver that's come through Ganassi that's made you forget Scott Dixon was at Ganassi?
2: Um and- Nicholas Manassian? <laughs>
3: no, <laughs> no <laughs> Nicholas Manassian was before. I know, Dixon. I know. I'm just, I'm just being
2: Charlie Kimball. Charlie Kimball. You-
3: <laughs> but you look at this, and and look, Scott Dixon is. As good as it gets, right? I mean, that right there is the pinnacle. It's the standard. He still is, in my opinion, the pinnacle and the standard. He's just been unlucky with qualifying. Now you make your own luck on a lot of ways, and they're just missing it by just a fraction. Um, he's still every bit as good as what pillow has been able to dish out. It's just right now, whatever it is that that's happening within that organization, within what whatever Pelot has tapped into, he's just not relented. And the fact that this guy you know, wins the championship. And then three races later, four races later, he's already leading the points to defend his crown. I mean, hell,
2: I mean, right. very, very quietly leading the points. He likes say, he hasn't made a bunch of headlines. Hasn't done a bunch of splashy stuff. And it is like, it, it, and, and, uh, yeah, but, but, but again, it's just like, it's, it reminds me that, you know, it took Dixon years to build a fan base because he just was so quietly just Doing a going about his job and doing it well, and I see the same thing in Pelot, uh, you know, and I but I just see long term this guy really continuing just to do well because he 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 gets the most out of the car that he can, he doesn't try to push it past what the car can do and 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 brings it home and and will collect the points that he can get on any given day, where 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 where's Herta. You know, he's still, he's got that little bit of a Zille Villeneuve in him, you know, where he just wants to extract the most out of a shitty car and end up in a wall rather than, than on a podium.
3: Well, let's, so, I want to I want to throw something your way here. And, and this is for Richard and for, for you too, Frank. All right, my man. Just, this is not necessarily anything I can, this is just my eyes and looking at this stuff and wondering what to make of it. Uh, you know, you look at Andretti Autosport and, they, they came to barber, they tested, right. And and they blew everybody out of the water at test. You get to, you come here three weeks later to barber four weeks later, whatever it was. And, you know, Friday Colton heard a head and shoulders above the field, two tenths if I remember correctly. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of VK's qualifying lap. VK's qualifying lap was definitely up like 1.9 or 0.19. Um, anyway, you look at Indretti though, and they owned it on Friday. Except for DeFrancesco, all the drivers were in the top four. And you look at Saturday, and even though Rossi put it in the fence, just trying to extract too much, they repair it, they put a new, fresh back in in it, new engine, and he goes out there and ends up being best of the Andretti bunch. And the only reason Colton wasn't part of the Fast Six is because Erickson's off and qualifying and put out a red flag on his flying lap. Point that I'm trying to get, though, is Penske wasn't one of those groups. They struggled all day Friday. Suddenly, Saturday, somebody goes a different direction. Willpower qualifies 19th. New Garden's out to launch. McLaughlin's the only shining star that they have. Suddenly, and I don't know if New Garden setup was on this path, but I know that, uh, or Powers, I mean, but you look at New Garden went the route of McLaughlin setup and started to hit on a few things. By the end of this race on Sunday, two out of the three Penske drivers we're ahead of every single Andretti car. And it's not for a lack of pace because Rossi was bad fast and Colton was bad fast. And obviously Grosjean got really quick there at the end. I don't know what is missing from this group to prevent them from just being able to have a complete weekend. I mean, you look at all of the flashes of brilliance that they have on a weekend, and it's astonishing the pace that they can extract, every single one of them. And for whatever reason, there's not a way that they've been able to put it together. Now, we're getting into the month of May. We're here, Indy's around the corner. They're always lightning quick there. They're always one to watch. It's a Honda package type of thing, although that might change this year. Who knows? We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But I just want to know what you guys kind of see, because to me, I'm baffled at how a team can go and test and the team that doesn't test can suddenly just flip the script over a three-day window. And I know it's Penske being Penske, but that's still a damn good team at Andretti Autosport.
2: Yeah. I, I've, you know, I've talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show and I just, I almost wonder if that Michael himself uh, with all his trying to buy a Formula One team has, has become a little too disconnected from the IndyCar effort uh, that, that maybe his leadership isn't there. Uh, You know, I hate to say anything bad about Michael because I love the guy and I have and I I have and I have a lot of respect for uh, for what he does. But, uh, yeah, it just seems like they can't get it right. And they've been, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you know, I I go back to the video of uh, Rossi putting uh, trying to put a dumpster fire out. I think, well, that kind of describes Rossi's season. Um, (laughs) And so I, I kind of wonder if there's just too much distraction or if they're if they're spread too thin. Uh, you know, you know, Penske always, when, when they get to four cars, they feel like they're spread too thin when they, when they, when they go to three they they, they become really, you know, really lean and really nearly unstoppable. Uh, but, but Andretti's consistently been four cars, you know, five and as many as six, uh, when it comes to the 500. So I, I just wonder if they need to think about leaning down the organization and, and just getting that focus on, uh, Uh, You know, just uh, because right now you got uh, hurt is the only one that's won a race for them in a couple of years. Uh, Grosjean has had some flashes of brilliance. uh, You know, Rossi has been either, uh, you know, unlucky or just not fast or just, you know, cartoon anvil falling on his head at any given time. Yeah. So uh, I just really I really can't put my finger on one specific thing. But I really but I really wonder Maybe that, that Michael is a little more disconnected than he once was.
3: Before Richard, uh, I I toss it to you to answer that question. One, one note on Rossi to clarify for the listeners out there that may not been able to catch everything, uh, going into the final pit stop, Rossi was running in the top five. Um, and then was the only driver on used reds used alternate soft compound. Um, and ended up having a dramatic fall that ended up running him down to ninth. So, over those last 20, or sorry, he pitted on lap 60. So those last 30 laps, he he was the one driver that literally fell like a rock. Uh, and out of the top, you know, out of the top five, him and McLaughlin, McLaughlin fell out and finished sixth. But um, that's just kind of where where everything looked when Rossi was looking at ta- knocking on the door of his first podium in, in quite a while. Um, that's how that played out for him. Uh, Richard?
1: Oh, it's difficult, right? Really, to pinpoint. As you say, you know, you'd expect somebody that goes through the... Um, you know the trouble of testing somewhere and being good in testing, and, and, and they like to to have that solid race. But sometimes you can go testing, and it just leads you down the wrong path. Uh, and potentially that's what's happened here. Um, I'd be surprised, but I think sometimes also it's the. I think Frank's very right. I, I, I think that Andretti's lost its way due to external things around the team, rather than just pure driver performance. And I think that, now I don't know the inner workings of Andressi, goodness me, none of us do, but I think it's telling in a way that um, what is, let, let me ask this question. My personal opinion, rightly or wrongly, is that the last 18 months, Auto Autosport has become a, mechanism or a vehicle or whatever you want to call it to get colton herter into formula 1 pure and simple and you do that by winning races and at some races he has been phenomenally fast and dominant and and very very impressive but is that to the detriment of the rest of the team you know is michael andretti's focus shifting away onto other projects and you know the, the buying sauber last year the um, you know, supposedly you know, looking to have the funding to enter his own team. You know, geez, that's not an easy job, and to be shuffling that with an IndyCar team, a Formula E team, um, you know, all the other series has got involved. I, I think he's got too much on. I, I, I genuinely do, and and I think that the, you know, maybe there's no direction and no leadership. That now Michael Andretti himself is not going to make setup calls and not going to make all these decisions, but it could well be that. The 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 big players in his team who are influential in the IndyCar team are uh, they're the ones that are being spread. Um, you know, I, I think that these teams aren't run by one person, so I, I don't think you can look at Michael Andretti as an individual to 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 sort of be the, the 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 messiah sort of thing and the or the Pied Piper in terms of leading it. But it's that second level of management um, to see what happens there and you know, you see it a little bit, you know, I, I don't know who that would be at Andretti, but, you know, you, you look at, in you know, the Penske world, you know, uh, um, a Tim Sendrick or Ganassi, I think it's Mike Hull, isn't it? Who, you know, those sort of people, you know, where's that person in Andretti that that's the real person that does the day-to-day work. That, right, right. Is- but
2: even, but even, so you bring up Penske, but if you look at, you know, Penske's having a fine season this year, having leaned down to three cars, but you know, in the, since roger bought the speedway it kind of became hands-off on a team they they initially struggled until they kind of got more comfortable in the the business model without roger there uh hands on on a day-to-day basis yeah and well, i wonder, and I wonder that, if yeah, I, and, I, and i wonder if that's you know kind of similar to what's going on with andretti that, that michael no, uh, michael it, was more hands-on to, and, and it's it's a matter of those other guys stepping up
1: but to the same extent I, I don't buy that directly. I don't think, I, I think people get lost by this. You know, I'll tell you from my experiences of working for teams like Williams, you know, Frank Williams didn't lead the engineering meetings and decide on car setups. Richard Childress didn't, well, maybe he did at times, didn't lead too heavily on how to, you know, set up a car. Um, I, I don't think it's the, the, the top people that are the issue. I think it's the second rung yeah, those are the people. The, the 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 more what I would call the competition director, the technical director, the um, you know that sort of level of personnel that may be being spread too thin. And, something... But you see, with Penske, there was a natural progression. You know, Roger buys the Speedway, buys the sport basically, and you know, pretty quickly that's going to settle down and. There's going to be an end result. He's bought it. It's operating at a profit. He's expanding it. He's got whatever he wants to get in place. On Andretti, I don't know where that goes because what happens if, you know, at what point do they say, okay, Colton Herder isn't going to get a four one draft? Which I'll tell you now, I don't think he is. Um, You know, where does that leave it? You know, where does that leave Andretti? What's the purpose of Andretti's IndyCar project right now? I don't think it's to win win races and win championships and build up the team with their four drivers. I think it's solely face it's solely focused on getting Colton Herter into Formula One. And I think it's a waste of time. I really do. I think the guy will get there if he's good enough. And at the moment he's showing speed, but he's not showing the consistency which is needed. and I that's where I think they're going wrong.
2: I don't necessarily buy that the whole purpose of the team is to get hurt into Formula One, but yeah, that is Definitely a. Uh,
1: but every uh, Go, yeah. Every,
2: well, that's what the media talks about. And
1: that, well, that's. Yeah, that's you know what, what I mean? That's, yeah. What the hell am I, Frank?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, he, you have all these people talking about it, but also to chime in, also as far as performance, we talk about all of that, but also it boils down to the competitor's level, what they do with it. And we talked about it numerous times. We've heard of, when it comes to pressure, he's yet to craft the pressure that's the biggest thing he tried to go fast right to regain gain as much spots as possible and you saw with there. same with to some extent Grosjean, where he drove over his head this
2: weekend it's that well, let's, on. let's uh yeah let's talk about Grosjean and the, the well, grand the grand rail thing yeah because that's one, uh
3: one, I got one bow to put on this hurt of thing all right I think number one, though, we we I know we're talking about Polo, we're talking about Herda and Pado and all this, and like you, Richard, clearly, uh, you don't necessarily think that everything's there for him to to get to Formula One because there needs to be more consistency to match the pace and, and just a complete more complete drives, maybe even a yeah. t- championship for crying out loud. But I look at this and also say this: Alex Polo didn't do a whole lot in Junior Formula, but he's doing a lot now. And he's outrunning guys that were in Formula One that are revered. Uh, you know, Grosjean's pace in F1, although he was a little bit of a wrecker, uh, let's be real. Uh, but the pace that he could extract from a car was still really good. And he has the tools to know how to develop a team properly based on what you saw with Haas uh, those years. Obviously did some solid stuff with Lotus. The fact that you've got guys that are outrunning the Marcus Ericsson's, the... Who, who clearly is showing more now than he did then makes you wonder if he was in a better mid-tier team, what he could have done, um, you know, would he have had a Nick Heidfeld type career per se, but you look at this yeah. type of stuff. And I think that it's all boiling down to the fact that we're starting to see talent on a more level playing field here. And that's why I think you could see guys like Colton Pato and even Polo if, if the right opportunity presented itself by the end of this year, Uh, I think after this year, if there's not an opportunity there, it's not happening. But um, all in all, you know, you look at this and it's like, okay,
0: dinner.
3: their level. I, I see a scenario where this can happen because even though Colton's not finishing races, people can people who want an American in this sport and Liberty's going to push for one. And, and obviously, if it doesn't happen with Andretti, we could see it happen with Zach Brown's McLaren team replacing Danny Rick, uh, you know, which obviously would be an interesting scenario with how this develops with the contract of Pato. That's the part that I'm curious about. But all this spiderwebs to the fact that no matter how you try to cut this, there's going to be an effort, and there already is an effort, made to put an American on the F1 grid. And I think it's just strictly, who's that going to be? I don't necessarily even think it's who, which IndyCar guy, because I think there could be a couple over this next few years. But which American is it going to be? Is it going to be Colton Herta, or do we start looking at Kyle Kirkwood, because we've been hearing this hype even with Road to Indy stuff, to the point that Will Buxton's talking about him before he even turned a lap in an IndyCar. And, uh, you know, that part, I think, is what's going to be driving this narrative uh, more so than what the results end up being, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, certainly. Can I I give
1: you one? uh, Sorry, sorry, very quickly. And this sort of loops back to something we were talking about a few minutes ago, uh, five minutes ago here, you know, to a certain extent, trying, it's very difficult to compare Max Verstappen to Colton Herta at the age that they're in, you know, similar age groups and similar mindsets and, and uh, you know you sort of wonder kids sort of mentality and I've just well we've been talking here looked at some numbers now admittedly Verstappen has competed in more Formula 1 races than Herta has IndyCar races so it's not a, a, you know, a direct comparison but 48% of Verstappen's retirements from Formula 1 have been due to contact which is pretty high <laughs> what percentage of Hertha's retirements have been due to contact
3: I wouldn't have the slightest right now. Uh, well, define, okay,
4: thank you. I was going to say define Conte, his doing it, it, or somebody
1: not, else In other words, missing. not finishing the race. Not okay, finishing I, thought, the I thought you
3: meant like contact with another driver, not just like. No, no, no. no. So up, I'm talking right.
1: about retirement. So of uh, 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 Verstappen's retirements, just under 50% have been caused, just under half have been caused by accidents, contact, you know, whether it's self-inflicted or, you know, with, with another driver. From Herter's perspective, over two or two-thirds of his retirement have been caused by contact accidents, collisions, whatever you want to call it. That's
2: um, a a
4: yeah, I can probably
1: name and a good that, chunk of that them is what, quite well. That is the sort of, and especially a number of the ones for Colton Herter have been, you know, you know, me, myself, and I sort of accidents. You know, you think of Long Beach, you think of uh, Nashville. Whereas Verstappen very rarely makes those individual mistakes that I can think of. A lot of his have been wheel to wheel contact. My
3: my only um, my only rebuttal is I'd be very curious to see if Colton would be able to drive a car that has power steering, uh more oh. on the limit, more, you know, on the ragged edge without facing the potentialness of losing the car and walling it for lack of a better term but
1: but, but the times when he's you know you're looking back to long beach the comments he made post accident long beach is like well i wasn't really pushing that hard it's just lack of concentration rather than driving the car on the limit i think he can drive the car on the limit as well as anybody and you showed that at places like laguna last year where he was just phenomenal um but it's it, it's those mistakes of you know i said nashville was a prime example it just basically probably running at 75 percent and just brain fade yeah all right frank you want to ask about
3: growing on and, and, uh, and oh
2: yeah or or the other thing we could talk about is kirkwood and kirkwood's possibility for formula one which you had alluded to as you said built you know um um Will Buxton is talking about uh, Kirkwood, but yeah, but we need to remember, uh, you know, Kirkwood, while he is racing for AJ Foyt right now, is still under contract with Andretti. You know, Andretti still is rumored to be buying an F1 team if the FIA approves it. So, I mean, that's that definitely ranks as a possibility here. And if you look at what Kirkwood is doing in the in the Foyt cars, better things than anybody else has done in the Foyt car in a while. So. I can't
3: confirm the Andretti thing as far as he's still under contract with Andretti. That part, I don't know, but Uh, as far
2: as, far as I know, he was, he's on a, like a one-year loan. uh, Well, I think Andretti still has the option on his contract. Um, What I understand, or, or it could be Honda has the option on his contract, but, you know, Honda, you know, Andretti by proxy, but I mean, either way he's heavily rumored to be, Replacing Rossi at uh, Andretti next year, uh, but but the, the the whole premise of uh, perhaps he's an next American in Formula One is kind of interesting to think about because because here's a guy with uh, uh you know he's he's a bit younger um you know he's probably a little more moldable so actually he'll be older than Colton is he by a uh, few months I believe. okay I think he just turned twenty three that shows what I know.
1: It's oh, like how I like Terrible himself with Max Verstappen. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's, it's Sometimes yeah, it boggles look at, the but
3: mind. So. At, it's just the fact that Kirkwood has just been dominant at every level, and now he's – like, I actually think Foyt's improved as a team, but, like, he's just, he's just on rails. Like, I, I swear to goodness, I think that if he was in one of the top three teams – we could have talked about him possibly winning one of the opening four races. I mean, I, I honestly believe his talent is on that level. Um, it I hell he could have won Texas in a Foyt car possibly if, if not for that little incident, uh, in turn three and four, I mean, it just the pace that he can extract and the way that he can just stay on the limit consistently, it's not just finding it and just pounding out one or two consistent laps and then being a 10th under it. It's the fact that he's on able to find that limit and stay there. I I personally haven't seen anybody be able to do that and that's just my own personal experience seeing him grow through the road to Indy um yeah I mean I got nothing but praise for the kid I I think he's going to be a star which wherever he races honestly oh yeah absolutely
2: he just got he just got to get in that right opportunity which which will you know likely um come for him next year but uh i I mean i it's not out of the realm of possibility you know with the way some yellows fall here and there if we have rain on a road course that uh you see kirk would actually win a race for Foyt. and Foyt hasn't won a race since uh oh since takuma won long beach back in 13. yep yep Hmm. all right so do we want to talk about uh the ray hall and grosjean thing which was a lot of people's uh (laughs) minds of the um I made my two cents it. on all it. all right. So. Okay, Louise, let me let me hear your, your two cents
4: on it. Basically, the fact that he's just knocking the doors twice is like it's late in a race, but wasn't really necessary to door bang on an open. We, we know we know how he was in F1, but for IndyCar, it's like, she's got to show that because Hall made a good point about the penalties. Should he got one? Probably maybe for the second one, but it's just, is it a raising ordeal to some it may to some? It's not. It's just one thing that stood out to me is when Ray Hall said he's been penalized for far less. The first thing that came to my mind, 2019 Long Beach, with that whole blocking fiasco where he was robbed of a strong result due to it. But, hey, it's sparking some interest in terms of a little rivalry. It's just a matter of time whether or not it will continue on as the season progresses. Time will tell, like any form of rivalry in racing.
2: The you know, thing about Graham Rahal, though, right? Because see, uh, he tends—he's got a reputation of being a bit of a whiner. You know what I mean? So it's like—it's almost like the cried wolf. You know, maybe he's justified this time. Maybe he's not. I don't know. You know, um, I think people are making a whole lot more of it than than it was. It was just—you know—a little secondary tap. Uh, you know, it didn't take any of the cars off course. You know, it didn't. It didn't. You know. Improve uh, Grosjean position much, you know. So uh, I, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, I think it's. Um, I mean, if Rahal
4: wasn't low on fuel, he still would have held him off sure, because he yeah, was low yeah. on fuel. That's why he he lost
2: that battle at the end. Exactly, exactly. So so we we can move on from that. And uh, before we move away from talking about IndyCar. Let's uh, let's just talk about Reedus VK. Um, really good, really good weekend for the guy. Really solid, you know. Unfortunately. He, he got held up a little bit on his uh, in-lap in the pits. I think he was behind uh, uh, Mr. Jimmy Johnson uh, while, uh, you know, Palou and uh, Ward had a clean track in front of him. But uh, a yeah, really good um, momentum for the Carpenter team heading into Indianapolis, where they tend to do well, if you recall. Uh, VK has started on the front row there before. Uh, you know, of course, Ed Carpenter's had a number of good runs there. I think he's got three poles and a second place in the race so uh uh things look pretty good for ed carpenter racing heading in there and um vk again just another um another, another great young talent in the series no no question it was a much needed encouraging
4: result for vk because remember ever since he had that uh, cycling accident he has not finished on the podium since bell Isle one race number one so it's been a long, long time since we saw VK put on a superb weekend. Yeah, while a shot of the win didn't came to be, good good shot in the yard for that 21 where because they have needed that, and especially VK because it was not that long before his accident where he had to miss miss a race and kind of his season went south. He was in the cusp of that maybe being a dark horse title contender, but as the season went on, that kind of was whitewashed and we haven't. He hasn't made that much noise, so it's a, it's a much needed run for that whole organization, and, and also another one behind V.K. Willpower. The fact that we're four races in and his worst finish is literally just fourth. It shows that there's consistency, and that's gonna come a long way if you're gonna beat the Ganassic guys like Pello right now. And if things go in the right direction, like the next race coming up, where he's been super successful, and if he puts up a strong Oh, if he gets a good, strong month of May, that's going to really put him into you know, a title contender. No
2: question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially the double points there. Yes, yeah, so. it, though. All right. To so.
3: it, it's hard to believe that VK is 21 still. Like, I know. Yeah. He's, I just, you know, we talk about F1 guys that should, like guys that should be on the F1 radar. I mean, certainly he's one, but he's still, like, you look at him and when he gets it right, I mean, he's, Pretty much untouchable, right? Uh, until the brain fade and, and turn five, he was good uh, to probably take this race on Sunday. And But, man, it, once he starts to kind of get a little bit more refined and when that program continues to grow, and like he said, their best tracks are coming up, I, man, uh, that could be a fun watch, uh, for the next decade or more, uh, with him, not just where he goes, if he gets out of IndyCar and maybe ends up getting that shot to F1, but if he stays in this series and it's him and Polo and Newgarden and guys like that battling for another 10 years, like my gosh, what a series that could be.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the funny thing is that every now and again, you hear a little couple of hushed, hushed whispers. That's, uh, uh, you know, that Roger Penske has his eye on VK for maybe a possible replacement for a willpower in a, you know, another couple of years. So. an
3: Ed, Ed Carpenter driver on the, on the
2: path to Penske. I never. Uh, yeah. I don't know where, where I got that from. So. Mm, I don't know. Somebody who drove the 67 once. Some, 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 some guy from Tennessee. Yeah. So. All right. So. All right. So let's uh, let's turn our attention to formula one. And let's talk about that. We're going to Miami. But first, let's talk about the big announcement from uh, Volkswagen AG and Porsche and Audi, both apparently joining Formula One in, uh, what is it, 2024? Six. 2026. 2026. 2026. Yeah. So this is uh, yeah ahead of the, the new engine regs. So uh, uh, the word I'm hearing is that Audi is probably going to be a factory team, purchase an existing team. I don't know what team they're going to purchase and that uh, Porsche will align themselves with Red Bull. So, uh, so Richard, what are, what are the odds that this really happens? Cause we're still, we're still four years out. <laughs> I,
1: I, think for a, <laughs> I think for a company like VW to make a commitment to this, um, you know, it's, it's pretty telling. Um, you know, Both the Audi and the Porsche brands are VW's biggest, Income stream uh, more so than the VW brand, ironically, um, and it makes sense. It it, it it suits the image of the brand, doesn't it? You know, Audi go up against Mercedes. Uh, you know, Porsche goes up against Ferrari. You're really only missing BMW from the equation. We all know how, what happened there. Um, so, it, yeah, I, I think it will happen. Both of them. Mm, not sure. It's going to be an interesting one to see how that dynamic works with them competing against each other, but basically being funded by the same organ, the same parent company. But um, as you said there, Frank, you know, the, the alignment does appear to be Porsche with um, Red Bull, and they have like a, a turnkey solution in reality. All it, So then all it turns out for Red Bull is basically sponsorship. And you don't know really how much input Porsche will have directly because they'll just pay Red Bull to, you know, rebrand their cars as you know Porsche powered. With probably keep the same staff, maybe put a bit more money in there, maybe invest a little bit more. But that's a pretty quick solution for Audi to go and uh, buy a team. I mean, there's obviously two or three candidates. There's supposedly a lot of talk with McLaren in there. Um, talk about you know Williams potentially Sauber. You know, we, we all know their position. Um, and also Aston Martin, and as, as time goes on, the I, I'm pretty certain that Lawrence Stroll is realizing he's not going to get what he wants out of Aston Martin with his current expectations of what the input is required to get what he wants. Um, out of, out of Lance, you mean? But, but well, yeah, basically, out of his own son, you know, he's got to, yeah, we got, gotta wonder if,
2: if Stroll's gonna hang out for four more seasons before to hold, you know. Yeah, I just that's that 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 I yeah just, that thing that, is just so it's so early. I don't know. There's a lot of you know development time. We're talking, you know, you know, build from the ground up. But but I you know I, I kind of wonder is you know if Audi wants to be a factory team and they're aligning themselves with Red Bull. What's the possibility that that Alphatari becomes Audi? You know what I mean? Because so, I mean, so, so, a, so there So there you go. Now you're all now you're all operating under the same kind of umbrella. Both, both, uh, both engines and both uh, teams there. So it's just a thought yeah. again. I mean, again, the nobody, there, but... nobody really knows. Uh, and then again, you, you know, what's the possibility? Nobody knows. Know, yeah, what's the possibility <laughs> that Andretti goes in there, you know, gets a team in twenty twenty four, and then twenty twenty six, boom, he's the Porsche factory team or the Audi factory team. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, it has a be potential because At you know the, we all
1: know that um,
2: what,
1: without any hesitation, I'm sure, Gene potentially, uh, you know, would be looking to um, sell the team. You know, we all know that that's a distinct possibility or at least look for some new, new investment. So there's probably half the grid are up for sale, you know, in reality. We we know that obviously that the, the manufacturing teams are not open to investment or for sale. So, yeah, it's interesting to see over the next probably year or 18 months. And, I, I, and you know, you look at you look back when BMW purchased Sauber. I thought for a while there it was BMW Sauber, Sauber powered by Ferrari for a while, if my recollection is correct. So I don't think you know there would be an issue for for potentially an Audi branded team to run another manufacturer's engine as. You know, especially if there's contracts in place and you know yes these car manufacturers are rivals but they also know how the you know how the bread's buttered on these sort of things and money talks so i wouldn't um i wouldn't dismiss it out of hand that the audi you know buy into you know a williams team and i mean you know because we've seen it all in the past you know um you know we all remember like the, the mechachrome engine and the super tech engine and and you know things like that in the past, which you know it's just a rebranded engine or a or rebadged Play engine under the name.
2: Play so, life or the I, you know the jet, yeah, jet, exactly. jet engine, jet engine call whatever you want to this week. You know the jet Honda, slow. the jet, jet Toyota. Um, yeah, yeah, slow, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's you know there's there's more to one more than one way to skin a cat on these sort of things, and I'm sure with some clever marketing and the like, you know for a year or two, Audi would would suck up that pain of of running a, a a competitor engine in there they're certainly not going to develop an engine um you know for, for this current specification of car because it's just not worth it you know the the, the amount of investment that would go into it so and and the, the as far as I'm aware the engine regulations for 2026 are not set in so, set in stone yet. So there's a lot of moving parts still involved. So until that's all signed off, which is probably another year away I think. Um, you're not going to see any movement on that. Um, and that may be an ideal opportunity for an Andretti to, you know, to, to come in with an Audi or a Porsche and, and work together and build that together. But um, yeah, it, it's a good problem to have from a form one perspective. And I think it, uh, you know, it's only a good thing. And, you know, one thing I keep thinking of, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with, Formula One's exposure in the US, you know, this year and next year with ultimately there being three races next year, if that really starts to take off and, you know, gain that, po- you know, because goodness me, at the end of next year, you know, you could have Formula One races in the US with, with, you know, higher spectator, you know, higher TV audience figures than NASCAR potentially. I mean, that's unheard of. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's beyond the realms of impossibility there. And then, then would you know, your, your GMs, your Chevy, would they start looking at Formula 1 again in a serious way with that exposure? Um, you know, who knows?
2: Well, the thing is, we well, yeah, with the new cost caps in Formula 1, it's a little more economical for for a manufacturer to get in there knowing knowing what their budget is rather than the, you know, the unlimited spending we've seen in years past.
1: Well, yeah, but that's just the operational costs,
2: not the development costs. Well, you, you so but, 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 but... To but develop I, an engine... But in that the same, wouldn't be covered by those costs. But at, but at the same time, oh yes, there's a yes. little, there's, there's a little, there's, there's a little more structure there.
1: Well, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah.
2: All right, so um we did have a NASCAR race uh on Monday, or part of it Sunday, part of it Monday. Louis, you get a chance to watch it? Yeah,
4: fortunately, I was able to, in the sense of. I don't have to work that night. I don't I don't work Sunday night, so I was able to see the cup race in, at hand. And it was quite an interesting race, to say the least, where tire wear, especially at the beginning, of the, for like most of the race, you saw a lot of tire problems. I'm not talking about literal tire problems, where it falls on like exiting out of pit road where you barely beat your one of your tires, a.k.a. Danny Hamlin, where we saw single car spins, we saw Multitude of instances that involved like Kurt Busch, Kyle Larson, and yet yeah, Larson was able to rally back to get a respectable result, whereas Kurt, his day was done. I mentioned Hamlin. He had a good, bad, and ugly afternoon on the Monday portion. Like, Well, Sunday he was in control till Larson was ahead, and then the rain happened. They halted the race for 20 hours, and then... Got it back going, but Hamlin won stage one, but from that point, the moment that wheel came off, it went south to where he barely recovered. Then he got, then Cody Ware lost control. Shoulda, coulda, woulda, hold his brakes. Doesn't really matter. Hamlin was not, was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He ended up running into where That pretty much ruined his day. So basically Hamlin's awful ceasing, Except for the win at Richmond continues. Where, yeah, uh,
2: Hamlin is actually the farthest down driver in points, the farthest down Toyota driver in points. Yeah, it, it's yeah. just it's just been aside from that Richmond
4: one, it has been just a complete Yeah. Complete it's been, a, <laughs> yeah. Let us be let's be, let let's tough, be said tup, about his tough year, year, better tough yeah. year
2: for Denny, and the last thing he needed was to have a run in with Cody Ware. And on top of that, then you
4: also had Digger, who was having a, a strong run to probably go to put it in the top ten. Collie Racing had a, a solid weekend at Dover, probably one of the more better weekends they had all together as a group in the Cup Series to date. Then lost the wheel. Almondinger was fuming, was very mad about it. Now you have two teams with suspended crew while two of them came back this week, like. Bubble Booty Park, Booty Barker from Bubble Wallace's camp and Brett Kasaski's. they got their crew back, and in exchange, Danny Hamlin and, and the 16 teams' crew
2: are suspended till Gateway. It just blows my mind that with a single lug nut, we can't keep a you know, yeah, I don't a wheel on a NASCAR car. It's yeah, like sports cars uh, yeah. and Indy cars have done fine. For, for years, my golly, that you know what I mean for decades. I, I just I don't understand what the I, I don't know if it's a, a bit of a design flaw, that that it's so easy to uh, not get the not get the nut on there properly or or uh, you know it's the it, first it, year I mean, it's, in it's general the, for those
4: some of those yeah but, are th- tires.
0: yeah theoretically sp-
2: theoretically speaking it should be easier quicker and more secure but yet we have these continued you know, loose wheel kind of things going on. So I don't know if it's a, yeah, I have to wonder if there's a bit of a design flaw in there. I think um, what is this like this? Let's see. This is the fifth
4: or sixth one we've seen because we saw, i mentioned Almendinger, Bubba, Denny, Casagrella, Justin Haley, BJ McLeod, all of them had single tire problems and they've had to recruit. She's suspended for it. So it sounds, is like a,
3: sounds like a lot of bad nuts. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, we talked yeah, we talked we talked about certain we talked about that last week. We're not gonna go to, there's no updates regarding that ordeal, by the way. I'll put it that way. But as far as the race itself, it came down to Ricky Stenhouse Junior was able to have a it got better as the race went on, albeit he didn't win the race. That was Chase Elliott who got it done.
2: Oh yeah, I guess we I, guess we should mention, yeah, Chase Elliott won the race. Yeah, he hasn't won on an oval in since the championship at Phoenix, right, right, yeah. Since he won the championship, so uh, so good yeah. for good for him, nice boost for that team because all of his teammates have won,
4: yeah. And the thing so. is, Chase Elliott, yeah, re- the big picture is he's he and Ryan going it over has been nope. That's been nobody's really been talking about is the regular season championship at which you do get 15 playoff points at the end, so there is some, there's some playoff implications being regular championship, regular season championship leader. Blaney and Elliott have been in a tight battle for just no one's to show for it till Elliott won Monday. So that'll certainly help. And that puts actually Kyle Larson is the the one with the longest winless streak of the Hendrick Drive, which is hard to believe considering the season he has that he had a year ago. But it's an interesting note that up in the first ten races this year and last year he didn't really start. Clicking off wins until the month of May. And it began at Darlton. we was racking up those top two finishes. So time will tell how he's, if we're going to see a similar replication this year. But we'll see. It's just Larson has not had luck on his site at all. Aside from winning Fontana. Except, except Larson has been able to capitalize much more than Denny. And been able to put better results. And at this point we can talk about Ross Chastain being a title contender. Because good grief, he's not had any... They said it in a telecast, and they're not wrong. He's not had any weaknesses on any of the type of the circus. we run.
2: No, Ross Chastain's been there week in and week out. And we've talked about him, uh, you know, for, for a couple of weeks on the show here. So, yeah, that, that's a guy that you can't really look beyond. It's not just, you know, one lucky win here and good for him. But, no, here he is. He's, he's in the thick of it every week. No,
4: so at this point, Darlene's just going to be... Probably the next ultimate test. And if he does really well, then we can't we gotta consider I think we gotta consider him being a title contender for real. I think he is, but that will really solidify if he has a superb run in that Coca-Cola one car.
2: All right. And we are off to Darlington this week, right? Yep, the throwback weekend. As throwback I weekend, yeah. We've seen some of the throwback liveries, some of the uh you know the um, what was the guy that had the uh, the seven 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 car had to get a special of joy. special dispensation for the rules to run that number, but yeah, so it's 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 always neat to see uh you know all those um, old liveries come back. So um, but uh, we are kind of pushing up against our time limit here. So uh, Louise, I'm going to ask you to uh, pick a winner for Darlington. I'm
4: looking at uh, as say- a I say Roger Austin
2: gets it done. There you Darlington. go. All right. Joey, who do you like for Darlington? Uh, True X. True X, um yeah, that's a good pick too. I like uh for Darlington, I yeah, I'm I'm going to go with uh you mentioned him earlier, Kyle Larson. Uh, I'm going to say he gets uh, gets back on track here, so now, uh, Formula One is in Miami. I believe we made our Miami picks last week, did we not?
3: Yeah. Does Richard does Richard not get a pick on on Darlington?
2: No, he does not. No. Nope. Uh, All right. So, Joey, Joey, who do you like for uh, Miami, Formula One? Ooh,
3: new Ooh. track, new layout. I know. Yeah. Street circuit. Um, it's an unknown because it's uh, isn't this the first street circuit we've had this
1: year, technically?
2: Saudi. Uh, I mean, it's oh, Saudi, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. If you're so. there,
1: no, st- stop it. It's not a street circuit. It's a circuit <laughs> in a parking lot with little walls around it. Street yeah, circuits I, are Monaco and Azerbaijan and Singapore. This is not a street circuit. I wish we could stop going street circuits. Sorry, uh, yeah, I'm going
4: to say... Uh, <laughs> good sandbox idea, though.
2: <laughs> All right. And um, we picked ours last... I can't remember who I picked last week, though. Uh, I want to say I went with Verstappen. I think I went with George. You did. You went went with George Russell and Richard. Remember who you picked?
1: Uh, Leclerc. I don't know. I can't remember now.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, that's who you got now. So, anyway, so we are out of time. So, you know what? Uh, Great show tonight, guys. I want to thank you, Joey, Louise, Richard. I want to thank Dan Blay, Racing Art, for sponsoring our program. I want to thank Mark Dill and Legend of the First Super Speedway, uh, firstsuperspeedway.com. Uh, Is where you can uh, buy that book, Dan Blay Racing Art. You can find him on Facebook. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. But most of all, I want to thank you folks who listen to us every week. But until next week, good night.